With blockchain becoming a part of societies around the world, getting the legal implications straightened out is a top priority. And with big banks entering the crypto space, for example, the new Wells Fargo Digital Cash, the JP Morgan Coin Crypto, and big banks' use of Ripple, what legal and regulatory issues, both in the U.S. and globally, should you be aware of? So today we're going to welcome Felix Shipkovich to the show to discuss the legal and regulatory matters within the digital currency and fintech tech industries. But just because it's law doesn't mean it has to be boring. After all, that's why we're here. We're making regulatory talk great again. It's episode number 326 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Oh, yeah. Five, four, three, two, one, two, Who's bad? Hello, friends and frenemies. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious. We are the blockchain blockheads, the crypto clowns, duck, duck, going all the things. So you don't gotta, but you can if you want to. Oh, you just hurt my feelings. I'm going to leave a bad review. (laughs) Can you imagine going out of your way to say something horrible to somebody? I mean, what what is with people? People are people. It's okay. People are people, so why should it be? I love I adding love that to Spotify right now. Presently, very good. Our, our, our I like when you talk good. over my songs. That's not nice when I'm singing. I'm sorry. Talk over me like Sing that. Sing better. Sing better. Hurt my hurt my fifis. <laughs> who, yeah. who did that song? Who did that song, Travis? Hurt my feelings. No, people are people. Oh, people are people. That is uh, Depeche Mode. That is Depeche Mode. Absolutely. Depeche. Hey, we're glad. We're glad that you guys are here. And we hope that you're going to join us in Las Vegas, Vegas Blockchain Week, just around the corner. Not even around the corner. It's like just it's it's behind this door. It's right literally here right now because it's the 26th and you're hearing this right now on the 26th and Blockchain Vegas Week. Get your ass here. Come to Vegas. Come meet us. The World Crypticon Bad Crypto Meetup is taking place, sponsored by CoinGenius.ai, October 30th, 10 p.m. We're going to do a late night, 90-minute get-together. The space is yet to be determined, so you're going to want to stay tuned. But CoinGenius is bringing transparency to the crypto community. They've got advanced market intelligence, and they're going to be showing early access to their tool at World Crypticon, booth number 344, and you could win a year of Coin Genius Insights. We've seen what this looks like. We are advisors for Coin Genius, and we advise you to look at what they're doing because if they are truly able to pull it off, we think it's going to be revolutionary in our personal opinion. It seems pretty cool. I have a question. So, yeah. How are people going to be updated? Do they just want to need to email us? If you're if you're going to be in World Crypticon, email us badcryptopodcast at gmail dot com. We don't have a form or anything. Yeah, that's a great idea. Just send us an email if you're going to be in Las Vegas, badcryptopodcast at gmail dot com. Tell us that you're going to be there, and we'll make sure that you are alerted to the location for October thirtieth, ten p.m. Pacific Standard Timeage. That's very specific. Yeah. There you go. That's how we'll know. Uh, Let's give a shout out to our show sponsor, Mr. Travis Wright, eToro. Because if you want to triumph and win in the crypto markets, you need the best trading app. 
And eToro is our favorite way to trade. They give you access to the world's best cryptocurrencies. They've got smart trading tools. It's easy to use and it is lightning fast. Fees are low. They're transparent. And if you want to play around without risking any of your actual hard-earned uh, fiat dollars, then you can. They'll give you a $100,000 virtual trading feature to test the markets. Go create an account today at badco.in forward slash eToro. You know what I miss, Travis? I don't know. You miss, you miss, um, you, I don't know, miss your grandpa? I do miss my grandpa, actually. I miss my grandpa. It's been a long time since he's been gone. And now everybody, you know, that's lost a grandparent's like, oh, I miss my grandpa too. I miss my no, grandpa. Uh, you leave me these open ended questions, man. I'm going to get a little crazy. That's okay. Uh, I miss making lawyer jokes. Oh, that's what I miss. It's it's been really? a number of months since we've had an attorney on the show, and we've got one today. And he specializes in banking and business law around the crypto world. His name is Felix Shipkovich, and he's a principal at Shipkovich PLLC, which stands for Primary I, Leeches Like Candy. I don't know, like that. Hey, Felix, welcome to Bad Crypto. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Why don't you tell, you know, I, I'm always the one telling the lawyer jokes. You've heard them all. Hit us with a couple of your best ones. Oh, I, I don't know if that's a good idea. I think for a lawyer to give lawyer jokes, it's you, you're digging your own grave. So I'll let you guys start with them. Well, yeah, I, we didn't hear his first one and it was horrible. So I don't know if it was horrible. It. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. How many, how many attorneys does it take to change a light bulb, right? Yeah. And the infinite amount. Time? Yeah. Infinite amount. It's too easy to it's too easy to screw with the light bulb. <laughs> Not <laughs> capable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, let's do a little bit of your. Bio it should be here. like this. None, because they're used to screwing people, not light bulbs. Oh, that's a good punchline. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. You, you just one up that, Mr. Travis. Right. That was good. Nice, nicely done. Let's uh, take a quick look here at the bio so people know who you are. You've got a practice focused in legal and regulatory matters in the digital currency and fintech industries. You've worked in the digital currency space since 2010. You're a special professor of law at Hofstra Law School, and you teach a course there, the policy and business of cryptocurrencies. So you actually know a thing or two. Uh, a little bit. Well, you know, depends Just on the day, depends thing. on the time. One thing, right? One thing. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's jump in then and talk a little bit about regulation, especially where the big banks are concerned. You know, some of them are getting into the space. Some of them have dissed the space, you know, repeatedly only to be working on their own thing in the background. Where, you know, where are we right now in the timeline for banks to adopt crypto and get on board? Sure, that's a great question. I think when the early, and when I and I say early, I emphasize the word early stages of banks considering to get into the crypto space. And I think that earlier this year we saw J.P. Morgan discussing the creation. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Wasn't that the first bank to criticize the cryptocurrency yeah, space? Jamie, Jamie Diamond, Demon, right. whatever, whatever that entity is. Yeah. So that was the first bank, and that was uh, that announced that they're willing to uh, adapt or or uh, work with a crypto um, currency 
space. And then obviously a few weeks ago, we saw Wells Fargo announcing uh, their efforts to potentially improve uh, the cross-border payments. And that's sort of it. There have been some rumors here and there about other banks trying to get into that space, but it's we're, we're not there yet. So so to, to answer your question is we're at the very, very early stages of, of this development. My question, I think, would be around this. It's interesting when more of these banks are entering the crypto space to create, like you said, like you just mentioned, Wells Fargo's digital cash, the JP Morgan coin, but then also some countries are starting to create their own crypto, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like China is creating their own digital digital wand. So what are your thoughts on how, when you start seeing banks and countries start creating their own cryptocurrencies, like what what kind of future does this look like? I think fantastic future. I think we obviously will have to give it some time before the future, in fact, comes to fruition. You know, I, I'm, I, I belong to the camp of attorneys that is a strong believer that cryptocurrency is a fantastic tool. Uh, and when I say the word cryptocurrency, it, it may not necessarily be in the form of decentralized currency, you know, Bitcoin, for instance. But it's a fantastic tool for uh, financial institutions for people to move money cross border. You know, the the current space, uh, the current banking space, uh, while it allows some flexibility uh, to move money from one bank to another across border, we're, we're still we're, we're still not making it as easy as possible for a consumer to do it instantaneously. And and what these banks and obviously a couple of other countries are trying to do is twofold. Well, the countries are trying to protect their sovereignty. I think the discussion about Libra um, in the past six months has been has spooked a lot of countries. And we saw Germany and France, uh, you know, blatantly opposing uh, any type of uh, Libra, at least in the current stage. Um protocols to be used within their country. But for banks, that allows faster, cheaper, and quicker um, movement of money. Um, Moving money from one place to another costs money. I mean, look, sending on a wire internationally could cost you anywhere between 35 to 50 bucks. It shouldn't cost that much for consumers and businesses to do that. No, of course not. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then we're also dealing with correspondent banks. I think if if, if these banks properly adapt the, the blockchain solutions, use the blockchain technology in such a way where you could faster, quicker move money from one place to another, while at the same time maintaining some level of integrity of KYC and AML to ensure that there's, you know, prevention of any money laundering activity that will uh, foster, uh, um, you know, further use of their platforms. Um, You know, I'm not sure of the current status of um, IBM's use and implementation of Stellar for cross Border. I'm not sure if you're following that or not, but that was, you know, something that they announced last year mm-hmm. for seven Asian countries. Do you know where that is at? Is it being used right now? I have not closely followed. I'm aware of that effort, but I don't know at what stage it's at right now. Okay. And to be honest with you, there's really not a lot of information at this point on where we are with Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase. I mean, there, there, there are rumors or there are announcements, there are articles that discuss potentially uh, 2020 launch. But as, as we know, uh, regulatory uh, hurdles are difficult to overcome, right? Because banks are highly regulated both on federal and state level. And then you have to then think about all the international regulatory aspects. So the problem could get extremely complicated. Yeah. Uh, you know, I my- think 
a lot of uh, you know a lot of what's going to happen might be reactionary rather than you know so we had on the show recently sir john hargrave who uh, who wrote this book blockchain for everyone and and when we asked him um what he thought the netscape watershed moment was going to be for crypto he said it was the development and the launch of the chinese you know state run owned crypto which is going to happen in just a few months and he thinks that there's going to be a massive reaction then around the world because governments and banks are going to go oh my gosh the one has been cryptified we better move or lose mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i think that's that's an excellent point i think that uh i'm i think i'm pleasantly surprised surprised that the chinese government did you say um, surprised because you were surprised? Chinese? I, am, I am surprised. <laughs> um, I, I was pleasantly surprised that China was actually at the forefront, considering that the, the Chinese yuan is probably one of the most um, illiquid currencies and the government is overprotective over its uh, potential cross-border movement. Uh, and the fact that they were the first ones to say, hey, we want to be ahead of the game and it, in a way, it almost shows a little bit of uh, financial dominance, you know, in comparison to other industrialized um, financial powerhouses. So, so kudos to them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if probably in the, in the near future, and that near future could probably be a few years when our government potentially might consider that as well. Yay, communists for developing <laughs> cryptos. I don't Hey, Travis, I just realized something. Yeah. I think that we are the first sovereign nation to issue our own cryptocurrency, mm. right? Yeah. The, the the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. I've actually been reading up on micronations, and I think we are a legitimate virtual micronation, and we mm. do need our own flag. Okay. Virtual micronation. I don't know. We may need some legal counsel on that one. What do you think, Shipkovich? What is that? I, I, I am not sure you're a micronation, but hey, uh, anything is possible today. <laughs> you know, just get a raft out in the ocean and you could claim that this is your nation. Well, it's it's virtual. It's a virtual micronation, yeah. right? Why not? Everything else is virtual. So yeah, damn it, I'm, a, I'm a virtual micronation. And you are innovative. As I got to tell you that, Mr. Joe Kahn. Serious <laughs> innovation. I have a question. I have a real legit question, Felix. Okay. Uh, so, so why is it that you know Facebook is getting such backlash with Libra? However, Wells Fargo can create digital cash, and J.P. Morgan can create their own cryptocurrency, and nobody's nobody's batting an eye when it comes to Congress or any of these other countries. But Facebook does it, and oh my God, we're up in arms. So why why is that? Sure. So obviously, Facebook is not a financial institution. It's a social media platform. Granted that Facebook has certain licenses like money transmitter licenses in, I believe, every single state. Um, they're not a bank. Um, and its efforts to, be, to, to issue Libra essentially sort of places it in the de facto digital bank category without technically being regulated, right? Um, that's, that's, the, that's the first uh, <laughs> part of my answer. The second part is, um, you know, let's be quite frank, after the last presidential election, Facebook has not been in the most favorable light with all the privacy breaches and, sure. you know, manipulation. I, I personally hate them. I think they suck. But <laughs> it's, just, it's just interesting to me. It's just like, you know, these big banks can get away with some of this stuff, and that's totally cool. But a, a lot of the problems that we've had in the world is the result of bankers and, you know, just going overboard. I mean, like that the 2007, 2008, all this crime happened, and none of them went to jail, right? Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, now we want you to create 
you know, virtual currencies too. Go ahead, create digital cash. It's totally cool. Facebook, no. <laughs> but JP Morgan, who has been fined more than most anyone, any company in the history of the world, and, mm-hmm. and Wells Fargo with their billions of dollars of being fined for their nefarious and, and bullshit they've done. But it's totally cool for you guys to create cryptos, right? That, that's a great point, Travis. In fact, there's a parallel in the media to this, right? Uh, if you're an established media source that is so-called credentialed, then what you say is allegedly reliable. But they don't like the new media sources coming along. Say, oh, they're not journalists, right? Somebody with a blog isn't a journalist. And I don't think that's what makes a journalist is who you work for. I think it's the quality of the the content that, you know, you're producing. And so the banks are treating Facebook and non-banks the same way. I think you hit on the right points. Look, I, I think that, uh, you know, 10 years ago, banks were not very much like, particularly since they were all big too, too big to fail and they were bailed out with taxpayers' money. And you're right. I mean, today, instead of actually raising eyebrows on, on the bank's efforts to embrace crypto and questioning how they're going to be regulated, and, and frankly, to what extent our federal and state governments actually know how to regulate these products to ensure that we don't potentially create another financial meltdown as a result of, um, you know, new ways to exchange, you know, a medium, new mediums of exchange. We're um, literally looking to them to like with open arms, like, please, big banks, save us. We want to have regulation <laughs> and we want to have regulate our cryptos, please. So the crypto prices go up. It's like it's weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. But uh, look, I, I think that the, the big hesitation about Facebook efforts is the fact that who the hell is going to regulate them? And, and, and to what extent are we going to actually uh, understand the risks of someone like Facebook? Um, potentially going belly up and becoming too big to fail, right? So if you take, let's take another two companies as an example, Amazon and Google. What would stop Amazon and Google from issuing their own coin? I mean, if you take Amazon, Facebook, and Google, it will almost remind me of uh, that movie from about a decade ago called Idiocracy. I don't know if you remember that movie, where Gatorade became the source of uh, watering crops and because at some point <laughs> they bought the FDA. And, and, right. and so at what point are we going to actually kind of, you know, take a step back and saying, well, financial innovation is great. Uh, we embrace it. We love it. It creates jobs. It creates tax revenues. Hey, uh, we're a progressive society. If we don't progress, well, might as well go back in the Stone Age. But at the same time, you know, the question that is not being asked, for instance, is, you know, if Libra is issued and uh, my, my prediction is that, it, you know, people in, you know, developing countries are going to be probably some of the biggest you know, users or purchasers, purchasers of Libra, uh, where's Facebook going to actually have that inventory in hand? And if they essentially begin to take, because essentially somebody has to sell you their currency, right, in order to get Libra. So Facebook is essentially going to, you know, become a warehouse of all this cash that's going to be held somewhere, um, whether in the U.S. or abroad. And at what point will that amount of cash could potentially, uh, you know, you know, become a quasi federal reserve for these countries. Well, though, let's, I, I got to have, have a throw a little wrench in your system there. So the Federal Reserve Bank, really, like they'll just print money out of thin air. And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. And they have fractional reserve banking. <laughs> so won't it sort of be fractional reserve crypto? Because it's like, you know, I think that's kind of a problem if they if they don't necessarily have all the all that dollars in store. Like our bank, like if you know, our banks don't have all of that money in store. They only have one tenth of it because of fractional reserve banking. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like if I deposit a million dollars into my bank, then my bank can now loan out $10 million mm-hmm. due to fractional reserve banking. Now, right. is, for, is Facebook going to be beholden to that same sort of rules? Like they got to have all that crypto and that cash on hand? Eh, who knows? Because once it becomes digital, then it's just a digital exchange. I read somewhere like 98% of our money isn't even paper money. It's digits on a screen. So, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just kind of a problem there. It's like, are they going to hold all that money in? Then if they take all that money out of circulation, then you have the Federal Reserve Bank doing quantitative easing again because there's not enough liquidity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a crazy little circle we're running around. And then how, who's actually going to be supervising how much uh, um, Libra coin could actually be issued? Me. So I'm, I'm going to supervise it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I volunteer. I'm going to do it. Okay. Okay. We got that. We got that settled. Here's what I want to know: Why the hell is it taking so long? Right? You've got governments around the world. You've got small governments like Malta that are saying we welcome blockchain. And meanwhile, we've talked about a number of times on the show how we're stifling innovation here. You've got the CFTC saying it's a you know commodity, crypto's mm-hmm. commodity. You've got the SEC saying it's a security. You know, you've got the IRS saying it's property, and they're taking forever to regulate this, and we're falling behind. Why is it taking so long? Because the, uh, unfortunately. Um, um, our legal system is probably one of the most complicated legal systems out there because you have both federal and state regulators. And mind you that they actually then you have like city like, you know, I live in New York City. You know, hey, our city hall has also something to say about every single subject matter. In Malta is a small country. I was actually there um, a few months ago. I mean, what's their population? 400,000 people. So it's quite easy to pass laws that are favorable to attract business. Bermuda is another country, and so Switzerland, and that's you know the hence why we have the, the crypto valley in Switzerland. But in the U.S., it's difficult because the the right different regulators, um, you know, I don't want to say they use the word fight, but they try to battle over the jurisdiction. Right? We still don't have clarity from the Securities and Exchange Commission on arguably majority of the crypto projects out there because. You know, on one hand, um, they're saying, <clears throat> look, apply the Howey test. And mind you, Howey test is, you know, it, it's in its eighth decade, <laughs> going back to the orange groves of the 1940s. And at the same time, you know, they, they're not really providing guidance on, on the fluctuation of virtual currencies or cryptocurrency or digital currencies altogether, because just merely because you issue a token and the token could fluctuate in value, but the token is not sold as a mechanism for raising money. It's a payments instrument. Why do you need to worry about the Securities and Exchange Commission? Shouldn't that be governed and in, by, by, in, by some different regulator at that point? Isn't it a payment instrument? Shouldn't it be regulated on the state level? Right. And I, and I think the hearing about this was kind of interesting is, you know, I was super excited. There were, uh, you, you know, a few years ago when the discussion about the OCC FinTech Charter came about. Um, well, that didn't really go anywhere, right? Uh, you know, round, numerous rounds of litigation. And by the way, the, the OCC FinTech Charter could have probably solved many of the regulatory problems in the space because then you get one federal license and you could do business in the entire country instead of worrying about whether or not, you know, you have to be licensed as a bit, you get a bit license in New York or, you know, potentially not be licensed in California or until uh, the Espinoza case in Florida uh, earlier this year, it was kind of up in the air. And now you have to be a money transmitter if you're, you know, issuing a crypto or you're trading cryptocurrency. It's it's a mess. It's a complete mess. And and uh, I'll be the first one to admit that probably our lawyers are the ones to blame. They're making it as complex as possible. Blame the lawyers. So, so how long until there's like maybe 
a crypto trading commission like the CCTC or something, right? It seems to me there needs to be its own sort of thing because crypto is a dig- is a digital asset. It's a crypto asset. It's soon to be a quantum asset, right? And I think these traditional markets and stocks and bonds and commodities, they're different. It's a different mechanism. It's a different mindset. And so some of these old school folks, I don't think have, I don't think they have it in them to even completely understand it. We saw when Facebook went to Congress that they don't even freaking understand how the internet works, let alone understand how crypto assets work. So is there maybe, you know, and I think Giancarlo, I think he was really good. He's, he, with the CFTC, he sort of hands off. He's like, I like this crypto. My kids love crypto. Like they know that the millennials are, are, are down with crypto. They're not down with stocks. And so there's this, there's this sort of movement happening, but it seems like there needs to be some sort of regulatory agency that's independent of these other ones, these old school ones that are free to make the right decisions and move forward in a way that it does not stymie innovation. Is that something that we can maybe look forward to seeing someday? Is that possible? I, I think it's possible, but not likely to happen. Right. I think the closest thing that we've seen uh, to avoid to avoid this nightmare, this regulatory quagmire was the OCC fintech charter. I think that was probably one of the best things that sadly um, is now in messy litigation. Uh, and, uh, and, and uh, you, you know, there the states are not willing to give up their jurisdictions. They want to collect assessment fees. They want to regulate it at the state level. It's very political. Um, and um, are, are we going to likely see something like that on the federal level in the near future? The answer is no, right? I mean, I think that and, and that is partly why in this space we're behind our competition. But we, that's not going to stop, you know, people from moving forward. I feel like the longer they take, the bigger a mess they're eventually going to have because crypto's marching forward. Regardless of whether or not the government creates regulation and the longer they take, the harder it's going to be for them to uh, to regulate. I, that's my personal. I know we've got some states that are doing stuff right. New York had the bit license. Um, st- you you uh, know that states like California and Pennsylvania and Wyoming have regulation, but they're all over the map. So mm-hmm. what is the kind of state of the states right now uh, so so you've got different buckets i there's a bucket of states that regulate crypto like new york bit license or in other states where you have to be a money transmitter then there's a bucket of states that are silent on it and uh you, you know if you look at the money transmission statutes if they don't essentially define money or currencies as, as um <clears throat> if they're only actually limited to legal tenders that that you know, they don't regulate crypto. And then there are a few states where you kind of have to look at it's sort of in the middle. Right. Um, uh, Pennsylvania was one of them. Right. So until uh, February of this year, when Pennsylvania said, hey, uh, we've got a lot of people looking to apply as a money transmitter. But by the way, we don't really care to regulate because we we believe money transmission is only, um, you know, um, for, for those uh, mediums of exchanges that are legal tenders. And uh, by the way, you don't really need to be licensed with us. And then you have the state of Florida, which which statue uh, also said legal tenders. And in the Spinoza case, cited with Espinoza. But then in the appellate, the appellate division said, well, uh, even though it's not technically a currency, um, it is a medium of exchange. And because it's a medium, it's a medium of exchange, well, you have to be a money transmitter. Well, <laughs> give me a break. Then why don't you revise your laws, right? Why don't you adapt? I mean, why do we have to essentially live in this 
absolute nightmare where companies are spending money. They're spending resources on accountants, staff, lawyers to get licensed, to pay enormous fees, to become compliant. And then the states come out and say, eh, you, we, we might not need to regulate you, by the way. Or, by, or if you thought that you don't need to be regulated in the case of Florida, you know, now apparently you were in violation. Mm-hmm. Not the Florida law. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it has to be easier. It has to be simple. And we've actually have pretty good foundation in the equity side and the commodity side. So I spent, I was a general counsel of an FCM. So I work closely with the CFTC and I actually love working with the CFTC because when, when the CFTC issues guidance, it provides you with examples of what you can, you cannot do. I feel like I, even though I'm not a securities lawyer, I've worked enough in the space to tell you that I, I don't have that same feedback or guidance from the SEC. And they always say, well, why don't you read our cases and figure it out on your own? It, we shouldn't do it this way, right? You look at what Switzerland and Malta and Bermuda did. They said, here are the four corners of where you need to be licensed. Everything outside of it, you don't. Why can't we do the same thing? Why do we have to make it so complicated, right? Um, I, I think a lot of times what seems to happen, Felix, is that maybe they're not thinking about that sort of long-term, um, you know, drift that's going to happen between our co- our country and other countries because – Say, for example, America says, no, Facebook, you can't do Libra. And they go, okay, well, we're moving our to Bermuda. And then what are you going to do now? Right? right? Because that's what's happening is that all these innovative companies have picked up and they say, guess what? I'm not going to do my business here in America. I'm going to go build it somewhere else. The next Silicon Valley is not going to be in America. And I don't think that, you know, the regulators really understand the the detriment that they're doing to America by the fact that they're dragging their feet and they're not making any, you know, they're not working together. Every state wants to do it on its own. Well, guess what? If you don't get on board with it, people are just going to leave. Yeah. Yeah, they will. And and we've seen that they happening are. already. It's, it's yeah. like, that's what's happening. It's like in, in mass droves. Yeah. No, I, I recently was watching with my wife uh, a show on HDTV about family relocating to Malta. And it's funny enough, uh, they were actually relocating because he's in the crypto space and Malta was very crypto friendly. So he moved there. So right. um, we, and we're, it's a beautiful we're, place to live. It's way better and, than some shows that are happening here in America. <laughs> and uh, yeah, considering the tax rate is in a single digit. I mean, seriously, if you're trying to build a business in California and you're like, I'm just going to set it up here in San Francisco. Oh, well, guess what? You're going to be paying $50,000 a year just in living expenses, like just to rent a place. Right. And that's not even going to be a nice place. And then they're going to take a ridiculous amount of taxes. And how about just go to Malta where everything's friendly and it's a lot less cheaper and it's beautiful and it's crypto friendly. So, like, why would somebody build a crypto business in San Francisco? It doesn't make sense today. The reason is because the talent is located in the U.S. There. You, yep. that, that's you know you're not going to find as my, as many developers. Uh, not to say that Malta or Switzerland or Bermuda don't have good developers, but if you ultimately if you're building out these technology you know technology um, focused uh, services, you need people to build them. And, and well, that's true. Uh, but, but Facebook's yeah. already hiring all the great ones. <laughs> so <laughs> as we talk about the rest of the world and places that you can innovate, what uh, you know, there's international finance laws mm-hmm. that will apply to all this. So how does that affect crypto and Bitcoin? Uh, it, it really doesn't. I mean, most of the international finance laws are primarily and substantially a treaties between different countries. Um, I think the closest thing that you could see on the, on, on the multinational level is EU regulation with MIFID you know, one and two. Um, but they're not, you know, part of my um, vision is that hopefully, hopefully, 
uh, cryptocurrency is going to be the catalyst for some type of, um, you know, international harmonious effort to regulate a product, right? Unlike what we've seen on the equity side and the commodity side, it's actually, if you think about this historically, uh, there really hasn't been an instrument that could have been regulated with an international effort. We, we haven't seen that. We've seen that, you know, the, we've seen, you know, um, the United Nations come out of the World War II, right, in order to harmonize countries and to create peace. But at the same time, we haven't seen the same thing on, in the financial side. I uh, would love, you know, I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic that maybe in, in the future we'll hopefully see that on some level. Well, you know, I think this has been fascinating so far. It's like now, now Mr. Joel Com talking about us being a virtual micronation. Now, now I'm really excited about becoming a king of a fake country someday. That'll be really good. <laughs> That's really good. We got to worry about a bank and post office and all that other stuff. Not in a virtual, not in a virtual nation. Passport, stamp, <laughs> a, yeah. a national anthem, hail Metropia. <laughs> Well, Felix, we appreciate uh, you providing your perspective today. Where's a good place for people to go and find out more about you? Absolutely. Uh, Shipkovich.com. That's my firm's website. Um, That's that's really there's. I also have a website that, uh, you know, updates, uh, uh, provides free updates on the crypto regulatory environment. That's moneytransmitterlaw.com. Okay, so uh, we've got this in the show notes, Shipkovich uh, Law and MoneyTransmitterLaw.com is the uh, the website. Thanks for having me, guys. It was, it was a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Felix Shipkovich. What, what does that mean, by the way? Shipkovich? Yeah. I have no clue. I absolutely have. You no don't know Shipkovich. I, I don't know Shipkovich, exactly. You don't know that. That's and, great. Actually, I, I just looked. Uh-huh. I looked on Urban Dictionary, Kovich. Someone, uh-huh. a name for someone whose head was stepped on by their parents at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> it can That's also not, be an al- no. it can also be an alternate name for sandwich. I should. <laughs> hey, I'm looking at Felix right now. He does not look like he has been trodden upon by, <laughs> let alone his parents. That's true. All right, thanks, All right. Felix. Good thanks, time. guys. So there you go. Somebody who knows about the legal framework and policy in the business of cryptocurrencies. Thanks, Felix, for joining us today. Again, check out his website at moneytransmitterlaw.com. Yeah, and he also has he teaches a course at Hofstra Law School, the policy and business of cryptocurrencies, which is pretty interesting. This dude knew a lot of stuff. Great chatting with him. Also, if you guys uh, haven't heard, Moby Pay is another one of our sponsors and money you know has existed for thousands of years progressing from shells those those cowrie shells to precious metals and minted coins and paper money and plastic credit cards and all that good stuff but the transfer of modern money is slow and expensive for for both merchants and the consumers particularly across borders but now payments are going mobile and that's why moby pay MobiPay.io, their ecosystem consists of three core applications that let users spend and send money uh, digital and digital currency worldwide from their mobile phone in seconds. Go check it out. They have the cashback programs on purchases with MobiCoin. They have an integrated reward and payment token connecting all fiat and major currencies. And you can literally send it to someone with just their phone number. 
So like that's it was so cool just to be like, what's your phone number? Boop, boop. Well, now you got some Moby. And I was like, what? And so everybody in the Moby system can take part of the world's most rewarding loyalty program at Moby, M-O-B-I-E, pay.io. Moby, Moby, Boboby, Banana, Fana, Fofoby, Me, My, Monobi, Moby, pay.io. I just wrote their commercial. That's really good. You're so innovative. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, Moby Pay people. So, so that's going to wrap it. We're going to be in Las Vegas all week. Doesn't mean we're not going to have shows for you because we will, because we never forget you guys. We know that you enjoy listening and we enjoy that you enjoy listening and you enjoy that we enjoy you enjoying listening. Mm-hmm. It's a never ending circle of badness here in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. One thing, though, is when we're in Vegas, boy, we're going to create some content. we got to get interviews with all kinds of awesome people. We're going to be doing some VR content as well, video, to be able to plug on and see our faces live with some guests. We're going to be doing some of that. We're going to be doing lots of podcast interviews. We're going to be up on stage. We're doing Token Tank Live. We're doing. I'm playing poker. He's Mrs. Joe Combs going to be playing some Fortnite. We're going to be doing some cool stuff. This is going to be an exciting, exciting uh, week. So we hope that you can join us in the Vegas. It's not too late. Go to badcode.in forward slash WCC and get your tickets. Meet us at World Crypticon. And of course, subscribe to the show because we depend on, you know, we're not like standing by the side of the road with a sign that says we'll work for crypto. Nope, we're not charging you guys anything. This content is free for our listeners. And that was anybody that wants to listen. But if you don't mind taking a moment to say thanks just by going to iTunes and clicking the subscribe button, you we can't tell you how much that means. Well, we can tell you. It means a lot. There, I told you. It means 37 cents. It doesn't mean that. It, it just means that iTunes is more likely to rank us and tell other people about us. So it's a simple thing to do. And for us, it's proof that you know how to do what, Travis? To stay good. To click the subscribe button. That's that. it's proof. It's proof that you know how to subscribe. Oh, and to stay bad. Mm. Not good. Mm. Well, I, stay, we like both. Like stay both. Bad. No, they have to stay bad. So to stay bad and do good stuff. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.